Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. When trouble surrounds you, what do you usually do? In Psalm 31, David finds himself in deep, dark trouble. Instead of panic, David prays and goes deeper and deeper into God. He declares with total confidence, You are my God. That single statement builds David's faith and trust. It also energizes David's prayer life and causes him to exclaim, My times are in your hand. David's faith in God is growing in the midst of tremendous pressure. Most of us want this, but we don't know how to do it. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message, The High Calling of Looking and Loving. I am so saddened by the bad counsel so many people seek these days. A lot of people seek counsel from the world. A lot of people seek counsel from very unwise Christians. And right now we're seeing a lot of people are going back to their uh, addictions and their ungodly behaviors because they'll don't really have an, an outlet they're, they're the, you know, man, just, just go for a 30 minute walk every day and just rant and rave with God until it be turned by the time you get, if 20 minutes, you're tired of ranting and raving, you're going to be like David, like, Oh God, thank you for listening. I love you so much. David wisely brings his tears and his trials to the word of God and to the God of the word because he realizes that right now he is isolated and isolation loved ones. And I want to say this to the people watching at home and, and, and even people here, maybe you just come and go, you don't know people or you don't, you don't really speak up in your community group or you don't really want to tell anybody anything. Isolation is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Now I know a lot of people go, Oh, it's just me and the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. You do know you disagree with God? When I hear people say that, I just, I, you're, you're, not, you're not like me. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm like, that, that's not right. You just disagree with God. You say, can you prove that? Sure, man, right? Second chapter of the Bible, Genesis 2.18. It is not good that the man should be alone. Adam lived in this perfect place with God. And God says, you know what? He needs another human to talk to. We all need one another. And in this case, those who were called to help David, those who were called to come alongside David have abandoned him. That was the experience of Jesus. That was the experience of the apostle Paul. That has been the experience of, of many of you. If you're a boss at your job, you were like, oh, I was friends with everybody till I was made the boss. Now nobody likes me. Or if you're any kind of a faith leader, that will be your experience because there is a spiritual warfare that is going on. Once you, once you start to really take that bold step for God, there is a spiritual warfare that will go on that a lot of people are simply not aware of. Now, I know some of you desire to be a spiritual leader. And I will just tell you this, that loyal friends who care about you and your family are pretty hard to come by because you'll find a lot of those friendships are more one-way friendships. 
you know, people tell you about their problems and then they go, oh, I gotta go. Sorry, I know your life is perfect. (laughs) Perhaps people were lying about him. Instead of going to him and saying, hey, David, could you explain this to me? Uh, This is what I heard, but I don't even need to tell you who I heard it from. But I just really want to, I just really want to know what the deal is. Never believe the first person who tells you. Never, 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 never. It's unbiblical. It's in the Proverbs and it's stupid. Or, or they didn't even defend him. They didn't even stick up for him. Some of you have experienced that with me. You, you've come after me with some of the staff people and I have, I have defended them to you. And then they got in my office and I said, did you say that? And they go, yes. I go, what the heck were you thinking? (laughs) But we have to defend one another. And people believed it. And he felt all alone. He feels like a piece of broken pottery, easily discarded and easily replaced, worthless to people. And if you're a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, and that's the way you feel, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You have bought into it hook, line, and sinker. That is not you. Second Corinthians 12, 15, the apostle Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. What does he say? I will give it all I have for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. He's like, the harder I work for you, the more I love you, the less I know what's going to happen, the less you're going to love me. Words that certainly describe the lack of love people have for Jesus. And I'm not just talking about people who back in Jesus's time. I mean, another soul searching question for a lot of people, for a lot of people who claim to be Christians. Who do you really love more, Jesus or yourself? I mean, really, who means more to you, Jesus or your kids? Jesus or your job? These are very, very soul-searching things. And so as we come to verse 14, I'm reminded of what David said in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. The people were ready to stone him. And it said this, David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. So instead of panicking, David said, I got to get away. I got I to refocus. I got to strengthen myself in God. So then when we come to verse 14, it seems the same as verse one to eight, but it's a bit deeper. He says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Verse 15, got to circle it. My times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. Another version says, the course of my life is in your power. He goes on, deliver me from the hand or the power of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. What is he doing? He's preaching number 625 back to the Lord. Another version says, show your favor. He continues, save me for your mercy's sake. There's Hesed again. Save me in your, another version says, save me in your steadfast love. Save me in your unfailing love. Save me by your faithful love. Verse 17, do not let me be ashamed Another version, do not let me be disgraced or put to shame. O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent. 
in the grave, in the realm of the dead. I know none of you would ever pray like that. I love those prayers. <laughs> I love those prayers. I remember I was down in, in Puerto Rico and the, and, the, and the landlord was threatening to kick the church out. And so we had a prayer meeting about that. And I prayed the prayer of David. I said, dear Lord, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to challenge the armies of the living God? And one of the elders pulls me aside after the prayer meeting. <laughs> and he says, brother, I think that was rather inappropriate. And I said, brother, I think you need to learn how to pray. Because <laughs> if it's good enough for David, it's certainly good enough for me. If it's good enough for the word of God, it's certainly good enough for me. Verse 18, let the lying lips be put to shame, be put to silence, which speak insolent things. Another version says they speak arrogant things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. He opens with, and let's go right back to what he says in verse 14. He says in the middle of it, you are my God. That should be, for any follower of Jesus, a life-changing statement. For you are my God. And maybe, if we're honest, we have just become too used to it. Or we, maybe we're taking it for granted. But do you know, do you remember we covered that not too long ago? Genesis 17, 7, God said to Abraham, I will be God to you. So in trouble, David is what? He is responding to what God has already said in his word, even though Abraham lived way long before David did. Go home. Read your New Testament cover to cover. I'm not so sure you will find any better promise in the Bible than that. I will be God to you. There's nothing better than that. Absolutely nothing. That the king of the cosmos is so large and so personal. And he's gladly says, if you put your trust in me, I will be your God. You see, Saying that, you are my God, to God, will have the effect of. You know how there's certain things we do in life that have an effect? So if you, if, you, if you exercise, it's better for your overall health. If you eat well, it's better for your overall health. You don't necessarily see it. People may notice it in you, or you may start to see some difference in some things, but saying to God, you are my God. You are my refuge. You are my strength. Not can you be, but you are. You state it as a matter of fact, that will go a long way in killing the pity parties. That will go a long way in killing off, always feeling sorry for yourself. And it clears the way to build your faith and so you don't go out and stupidly 
do things your way to try and fix problems that God wants to handle and lead you and guide you through. That will keep us from looking at our circumstances, right? Let me rephrase that. That will keep us at looking at God through our circumstances instead of looking at our circumstances through our faith, looking at our circumstances through God's eyes. That's also how you can say, my times are in your hand. I think too many of us think that only means our life and our death, when we get born and when we die. I disagree. I think David's saying, my times, my circumstances, everything about me from the time I was conceived until the time I am absent from the body and present with the Lord, those times are in your hand. But knowing that, this is the beauty of it. God knows everything. We said this last week. Don't let anybody ever convince you that an all-powerful, sovereign God does not mean your prayers are meaningless. David does not stop that from asking for help. In fact, I would say knowing that his times are in God's hand is what causes him to ask for help. God, I am asking you to act upon what you have planned for me. Yet, (laughs) we have to realize that a huge part of the Christian life is trusting that God has every moment of our lives in the palm of his hands. And therefore we must obey him in the ups and downs of life. Now you go, I can't do that, Pastor Jim. I will admit to you, it's not natural. It's not natural. But you certainly can begin to try today And you can certainly see progress with God's help. And we come to verse 19 and he he turns the psalm back to thanksgiving. He says, oh, no, that's how you read your Bible. We read our Bible like this. Oh, oh, it's like bad. It's like you give somebody like this present. Do you ever give somebody a present? And like, oh, nice. (laughs) Now, when the Bible writers say, oh, like, oh, Oh, how great is your goodness. Another version says, oh, how abundant is your goodness. I mean, just stop right there. Circle that in your Bible. Think about that. How great is your goodness. On your ride home today, just just say, God, how great, how abundant is your goodness which you have laid up or stored up, some versions say, for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Another version says, those who fear and take refuge in you, in the presence of the sons of men or in the children of mankind. Verse 20, you shall hide them in the secret place. Another version says, you shall hide them in the, in the shelter or the protection of your presence from the plots 
or the schemes of man. Maybe this is getting a little closer to his problem. You shall keep them from secretly. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion or in your shelter or in a dwelling from the strife of tongues or from the accusing tongues or from the quarrelsome tongues. He opens with how good God is and he takes a good hard look from his heart that all he has in God. Just the fact that God is his even is enough for him. Despite the circumstances, he is totally convinced of the goodness of God and that God gladly shares his goodness. I love the picture he paints here. He's like, Lord, you store up your goodness for me. And at the exact right time, you are going to release it for me. Do you believe that God is going to do that for you? And the Bible says that God has your tears stored in a bottle. Some of our bottles are bigger than others. Okay. But, but God has stored up for you his goodness. And at just the right time, he is going to release it for you. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord for he has shown me his marvelous kindness. Another version says the wonders of his love in a strong city. Another version says in a city under siege, verse 22, watch this for in my haste. Another version says my alarm. I spoke, uh, he says my alarm. In other words, I spoke too soon. I am cut off from before your eyes or before your sight. He says, I spoke too soon. I actually jumped to the conclusion that you forgot me. Nevertheless, translation, even though I was wrong, you didn't forget me. You heard the voice of my supplications. Another version says, my pleas for mercy. When I cried out to you, and most versions add, when I cried out to you for help. So what does he do? Here he says in verse 22, he admits, I let my emotions run wild with me. Again, another soul searching question. Maybe you and I need to admit, Lord, we have been lately letting our emotions run wild. Turn on the news. I'm a wreck. Look at my feet on my phone. I'm a wreck. Things are not going the way I want. More expensive at the grocery store, more expensive at the gas pump. Not so sure what they're doing in the schools. I don't know what's going on. And I am a wreck. What is happening? David said what Paul Tripp says. I had faith amnesia. I totally forgot. I, I lost my memory that you were in charge of my days. So David admits there was a period of panic. Instead of trusting God, he let his emotions go wild and then when people read the Bible, this is often a big surprise to them. And what's that? That the Bible writers do not have an overinflated view of their faith like many Christians do. Many think their faith is a lot bigger than it is. Somebody said to me a few weeks ago when I said, you know, don't worry about being spiritual, more spiritual than me. That's not saying much or something like that. They're like, I love the self-deprecating humor, Pastor Jim. I said, what was funny about that? That was true. <laughs> you know, I come to the foot of the cross, man. I feel tiny, <laughs> tiny. 
and very loved at the same time. David admits, I felt alone. I felt abandoned. Yet, he came to know the goodness of God in his trial. Friend, if you want a God who always does what you want, okay, let me just clarify something first. He does not exist. Okay, he does not exist. God does not take orders from you. All right? Just, we got that straight? Okay. So you who are bosses, sometimes you have to clarify with people that work for you. Have to, let's just remind ourselves of the, of the way it's working here. You know, you work for me, not vice versa. But if you want a God who always does what you want, you will be very disappointed in life and you will not be convinced that God is good. Why? Because you will be obsessed with looking outward, reacting solely then from the inward, and you will fail to look upward. You will be looking in all of the wrong places. Verse 23, the verses we read earlier. Oh, no. Oh, love the Lord. Who? All you saints. Another version has wisely translated this, all you faithful ones, because that word saint has been so just perverted (laughs) over the years. So why do we love the Lord? For, for the Lord preserves the faithful. Another version, those who are true to him, those who are loyal to him and fully repays the proud person. Another version, the arrogant person. Be of good courage. Another version says, let your heart take courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Another version, all you who wait for the Lord. So looking for the goodness of God and seeing the goodness of God David would tell us there is only one logical response, and that is to love the Lord. That's the only logical response. And even if you don't see his goodness right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, that's what you must do. You must love God. You say, "I, I, I don't know where to start. Maybe for a lot of us, it's to confess the bitterness, the disappointment, and the regrets that have consumed us instead of looking at the goodness of the Lord. Why? Because without being fully convinced of his goodness, it will be very hard to truly love the Lord. It will be very difficult. It's so important to to make the connection that out of a love for Jesus springs hope, spiritual strength, courage and faith. And because of that love and because of seeing his goodness, we no longer have to know the outcome and we can be faithful in the midst of all circumstances. So why Psalm 31? Because verse nine says, oh, how great is your goodness. And verse 23, oh, love the Lord, all you saints. The reason Psalm 31 is those two don't always connect. Sometimes we don't connect God's goodness and our love for him. And when they don't, that is a prescription for apathy and for growing cold towards the Lord. At least David admits there, 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 are, there are times, and if you haven't been there yet, you will be, when his theology and his reality didn't seem to match up. But until our heart 
matches up with a good biblical theology, it will be very easy to go off the rails. It will be very easy to be on the edge of the cliff. It will be easy for our hearts to grow hard towards God. So my prayer today is we all answer the high calling of looking and loving because if we don't see the goodness of God, loving him will be very, very hard. Many of us, perhaps most of us, need a spiritual renewal because without it, we'll just be going through the motions of church or we'll just drop out and we'll rationalize it away in so many different ways we can do it. But the cross of Christ reminds us of that goodness of God releasing his incredible love for those who will turn to him and put their trust in Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to visit the cross every day of your life. See God's goodness and love and love him more each day. And if you've never been there, why don't you take a journey to the cross of Christ today and put your trust in him. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.